UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And we're going to give our season preview. Here we are. Michigan football season is at hand. We want to wipe away all the bad feelings and bad taste from last season. A new slate is up. Well, Clint, how do you feel heading into this season? Yeah, I'm excited. I, I was excited last offseason, even though it was uh, you know a total unknown and felt had kind of a heavy cloud hanging over it. And this year, there's still a little bit of that concern, you know, with uh, the pandemic still creating problems and 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 keeping questions in uh at the forefront of everybody's mind but it does feel a little bit more normal this year um just because we we have a better idea of how how everybody is avail- is is able to react and and protect uh you know the players and and keep all the, the key people safe as possible so um with that uh you know kind of dark cloud not quite hanging over in the same way it, uh, it feels a lot more like uh, an August ramp-up to the season. As I was saying offline, I had a hard time uh, kind of going to sleep last night when, once I first laid down and, and was reading a little bit more of, you know, what's out there right now in the media and, and you know, some stuff about the depth chart and, and who's moving and who's who's uh, stepping forward uh, um, in fall camp and trying to read the tea leaves. So I was I was fired up yesterday. And uh, I took that as a as a positive feeling. It's it's nice to be back to being excited uh, and ready to talk about all all the different games today. Absolutely. So, first game up, huge game at the Big House. Considering that there was no true home games last season, got to believe everybody's going to be jacked up. A noon kick coming up versus Western Michigan. So, Clint, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, in the first game of the season, I think everybody is uh, is right to have some some questions about uh, you know the new defensive staff. Obviously, Mike McDonald for all the positive things that we're hearing, and uh, you know as excited as I am to see what the new scheme looks like and how they utilize some of the weapons on defense. Uh, he's still a first time coordinator, still a lot of turnover, still a lot of uh, learning curves kind of being managed right now so i i expect there to be a lot of uh you know growing pains in the the early part of the season let's call it the first quarter of the season so i think this this game against western michigan where you have uh the broncos played an all mac schedule last year but we're pretty good and right now sp plus has them as the 44th ranked offense coming back with uh you know the quarterback returns and they averaged you know, 285 yards per game last year uh, through the air. So it's, it's a good test for Mike McDonald and, and the uh, the new defensive staff. So I, I think that that's good. I'm glad that they have uh, some challenges in front of them because that's how you learn, make mistakes and fix them. But I, I think the score is going to be a little bit closer than, than what uh, we would like to see. He's probably going to have some awkward moments in this game where everybody's kind of nervous, but uh, eventually I think Michigan ends up winning by, by two scores, something like by 13 or so. Well, I'll be the first to admit this game worries me. This game worries me for um, obvious reasons and, and then just um, look and feel reasons. Right. So 
I'm looking at this game at you have a a Michigan team that has a lot of questions, right? And I know we're reading a lot of stuff in the media, we're listening to the coaches, but I really feel like you almost have to throw last year out. Like you can't really, you know, between the changes in coaches, between the changes in systems, that it's really hard for me to have a good feel for how well the defense is going to hit the ground, right? So when I look at this game and I'm, I say, well, Western has a has a, a quarterback that is is pretty good, pretty good, right? And he, he's a pro prospect. And Michigan's defense is, is, you know, untested and new. And this also, you know, I, I hate to say this, but when I'm looking at the weather forecast, um, it's going to be very hot. Reminds me of that day when Michigan got stung by App State. I am picking Michigan to win. But again, I I, uh, I I look at the spread and and I think that that's um, you know pretty optimistic. So uh, definitely, I think there's going to be a lot of people watching this game. Um, I think Michigan's going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if if you know basically it is a a, a low scoring twenty four to uh, twenty one victory. Like I, I expect them to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's definitely tight in the first half. And as you said, there's some uh, consternation from the fans. I mean, just because, again, you, you know, it is Western Michigan. But one of the things I think um, we've seen over the last couple years is that Michigan has lost the intimidation factor. Okay. Um, it used to be, you know, and, and Clint, I, I think, you know, you and I definitely uh, became Michigan fans in the era where playing at home was a huge advantage for Michigan um, not only uh, for the environment, but because of how good the teams were year in and year out. And I, I think, you know, we've been teetering on the edge for a couple years now, but I can't imagine that Western Michigan is going to be too intimidated by, by Michigan right now. And and that's kind of a sad state of affairs. But um, And that's why it reminds me of App State, okay? When Appalachian State came in, they gave no quarter, and they were not intimidated, and, and they played a, a great football game that Michigan probably sh- sh- still should have won, but App State did not back down, and uh, I, 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 I see a similar opportunity for Western to play a much tighter game than, than I think uh, we would usually expect. Yeah, I think, I think it's right to, to make sure that you, you know, us as fans, that we have the right expectations going into this game. They should win. Um, I, I would be pretty disappointed or, or surprised in a negative fashion if the offense doesn't look good. Um, you know, Western's defense is 99th ranked right now by SP plus. So, uh, with, with what we're hearing about the returning depth on the offensive line with Sharon Moore and Josh Gaddis in his third season, I, I expect the offense to be able to move the ball and have success and put up points. Um, the questions on defense that we've already mentioned, I think, uh, again, will will make it a little bit more uh, nervous of, of a Saturday than we'd like. But the, the other coincidence that kind of caught my attention is, is that right now Western is ranked 72nd, you know, number 72 in SP Plus overall rankings. And uh, that's the same ranking that uh, Army ended up with in uh, 2019, a couple seasons ago. Gaddis's first season that you know went into double overtime you know and and that was a very very nervous Saturday and and really 
was a harbinger of, of some of the problems that were to come in the, in the following weeks. So I, I think that it is going to feel like that at times. Um, but when we're, when we're looking back, I expect that Michigan's going to win by a couple scores because the offense should be able to be much more successful against this uh, Western Michigan team than even that, that 2019 Army team. So, And for, for context, before we move the rest of the stuff, as you guys know, I use uh, Bill Connolly's SP Plus rankings just as, a, as an initial measurement for, for comparison's sake. And right now he's got Michigan ranked 17th overall. The offense is 28th, and the defense is 10th, which is really high for, for um, a defensive unit with a new coordinator. So it would be interesting to see how that shakes up over time. But it's, uh, it's also a clear reminder that this defense is going to be better than last year because I don't know how it could be worse than, than what we saw last year. So somewhere between last year and 10th, I think, is where Michigan ends up and, and how high is still to be determined. All right, so we both have Michigan winning their home opener. Next up is Washington. Going to be a maze out. Going to be a large television audience, 8 p.m. at the big house. And, you know, it's one of those things. I like the the night games early in the season. It's a nice way to uh, enjoy the whole day and to avoid the heat of the day. So that's what we're going to have up. So the next game is Washington. How do you feel about that one, Clint? Well, I, I'm really excited for this game. I mean, to, before we talk about winning and losing, I, I am really excited for a, another big non-conference night game early in the season. Really uh, a, a chance for the program to, to put their best forward, best foot forward and uh, make some noise on the national stage, and, and those are the opportunities that you want. So from a, from a program standpoint, from a fan standpoint, and from kind of a, a season narrative standpoint, it's it's awesome, you know, and, and Washington is a solid test from the from the Pac-12. Right now, they're ranked 13th overall in SP plus. The good offense, number 11, and a solid defense, number 25. So, uh, if both of these teams take care of business week one, which they should, um, then I think Michigan may even be a, a, an underdog at home um, against the against the Huskies. So. Uh, it's going to be a very close game from, from what I think is going to happen. Um, what I, where I ended up falling down on this is that uh, when I looked at returning production, how much of the uh, statistical production from last year is coming back, both teams overall are right next to each other in the national rankings, right around 55 and 54 in terms of uh, returning players and, and production. But Washington on offense is returning 91% of their, their production, which uh, includes, uh, you know, their quarterback. So I, I think this game being close is going to be about who makes big plays in the critical moments. And from what we've seen uh, in the recent history, Michigan still hasn't found the guy that's going to step forward at that point. And I think Washington probably finds a way to make the plays they need to win in uh, in week two. And I've got Washington winning by a field goal. So uh, to echo your thoughts, uh, I have Michigan losing 27 to 20. And, you know, I, I hope I'm wrong. But, uh, you know, for many of the reasons you said, I, I, I'm hoping that Michigan can put together a really uh, solid opener and come in strong in this game. You know, there's going to be a lot of factors that should balance the line out for Michigan. Again, playing at home, going to be a raucous crowd. 
but I, I do see Michigan following 27 to 20. So there's uh that's, you know, again, it's just, it's a gut feel after watching, uh, you know, what little tape we have on returning players from Michigan and, and watching what's out there for Washington. Um, you know, I think it's a, a, a question of a, of a veteran squad going on the road and, and coming through. Yeah. And, and I, the narrative for me or what I expect to see from Michigan, obviously, is that they're going to get better each week, especially early on in the season. So this this game comes just a, a little bit too early, I think, for Michigan to have identified uh, where they can go to get those those key plays in the big spots. And uh, like you said, I hope I'm wrong. And there's no reason that Michigan cannot win this game. I just I, I think that. Uh, the the experience and veteran leadership that Washington brings is is going to end up making a difference in the fourth quarter. So next up, another home game, another noon game, Northern Illinois in Ann Arbor, and uh, I, I I think we feel better about this one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Northern Illinois is is really the the least talented team on the on the whole schedule. This really shouldn't be much. Uh, you know, it'd be a problem if this isn't uh, a, a multi-score win. I think right now, uh, SP Plus at least has Michigan favored by somewhere around 30 points. So they just need to get in there and take care of business. If uh, if I could rewrite, you know, the schedule, I would flip these two games and, and get the second warm-up game against the Huskies from Northern Illinois before taking on the Huskies from Washington. But uh, this game is, you know, should be kind of a, Offense and defense both getting their, uh, getting all of the early season wrinkles ironed out, and uh, hopefully we'll see one of our best games and should be a fun Saturday. That would be great. So next up is Rutgers, a three thirty kick, and uh, homecoming pretty early in the season, um, and also an interesting choice for homecoming. Um, Rutgers has. Uh, been difficult in the past so so it'll be interesting on this one what are your thoughts uh and again i i think we agree michigan is two and one heading into this game what are your thoughts uh for this home gaming homecoming tilt yeah rutgers obviously it will know a little bit more about this uh, rutgers program after their first three games going into this one obviously they made a big step forward last year with uh greg Schiano in his first year back um coaching the scarlet knights so the triple overtime game you know wasn't very comforting for everybody (laughs) you know but but this year obviously they this game's at home it's going to be homecoming uh rutgers is still you know low ranked in sp plus's eyes they're 83rd overall but that's in comparison to you know triple digits they're typically uh in the hundreds um in sp plus overall so they did take a big step forward they can cause problems for michigan certainly i think right now sp plus is saying something like michigan by 19 i i think it'll be closer than that this one uh is probably going to create some more consternation again in the fan base if it's close and i do think that it'll be close in the second half but michigan will end up winning the other thing that kind of plays into um, this this particular game is obviously the following game is is at Wisconsin, which is a monster 
Big Ten challenge. So if there's any kind of trap game dynamic that could be playing here, and then also if uh, offensively and defensively you're kind of keeping some tricks in your pocket that you didn't want to show Wisconsin on tape, um, then then Rutgers may be in a position to jump up and bite you. But uh, Michigan should win this game and should be 3-1 and one after week four. I think Michigan will win this game. I'm predicting 21-17. I think it's going to be close. It seems like um, Michigan brings out the best in Rutgers. I think Greg Schiano, for not only due to his long history at Rutgers during his first tenure, but his time passing through the orbit of Ohio State, he really puts an emphasis on this game, and again, I expect Michigan to win. But I agree with you. I think, you know, Michigan ends up three and one after this. But I don't think uh, I think there's plenty of reason. There's going to be plenty of reasons for people to feel uneasy heading into this huge matchup on the road, first road game of the season, the following week versus Wisconsin. So, what are your thoughts as as the Wolverines head up to Madison? Yeah. What's circulating right now in the media is that that Michigan hasn't won in Madison since 2001. You know, and that's that's a long time. You know, two decades since it's been done. Um, obviously, they didn't play every. You know, they didn't play Wisconsin. Uh, you know, as a division rival there for for a long stretch. So it's not like they played 20 times, 10 times in Madison since then. But still, winning on the road there is 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 tough. Uh, and Wisconsin plays well. Um, the last couple years, Wisconsin has really had Michigan's number. This is where we're going to really find out whether Mike McDonald's uh, scheme and, and adding some size uh, along the defensive line, especially uh, from tackle to tackle with the three down linemen, uh, is going to pay dividends. You know, this is where we're really hoping that uh, that Mike McDonald's got his uh, his best game plan because Wisconsin has really been able to push. Michigan around in the trenches um, the last two years, um, and it's been twenty-eight nothing at halftime both seasons. So I I expect um, Michigan to play better in this game. There's no way that I could predict Michigan to go on the road and beat Wisconsin until we see uh, something different. But right now, I, I think Michigan will play better than what we've seen the last couple of seasons, but probably still drops this one by a touchdown. I think I picked uh, Wisconsin 30, Michigan 24. And uh, being 3-2 and two after five weeks, maybe uh, a close game against Rutgers, closer than they wanted against Western Michigan. Um, two losses potentially at this point. We're really going to find out um, – you know, about the result of the program, you know, where, where Harbaugh is at uh, mentally, emotionally. And uh, most importantly for, for the team, I think we're going to find out about uh, the leadership capability of, of the, uh, the upperclassmen and the players in the locker room. Because this is a point right here in Madison where they're going to have to uh, overcome some adversity and, and be able to play well under stress. So... I agree. Um, I think Michigan's going to fall on the road against Wisconsin. And again, for anyone, and and, you know, again, I don't think it takes any great insight, but to me, it's pretty obvious that Michigan has struggled on the road. And when you add up 
you know, heading up to Madison, a place that they haven't had a lot of success, and heading into a really good team, you know, heading into a rough environment. And, uh, again, I, I'm picking a 38-27 loss, and I, I hope it's as close as that score. I, I have a feeling that when I kind of visualize this game, it's 38-27, but that, that's, that's with a couple late touchdowns by Michigan. Um, you know, it's almost uh, following the blueprint of the last couple games where Wisconsin just comes out of the chute firing and, and Michigan kind of, you know, doesn't get knocked out. But, you know, doesn't get completely blown out, but, but you know, really has to struggle to, to kind of make it respectable at the end. I hope I'm wrong, but, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, an observer of line play. And Wisconsin is the gold standard of offensive lines. So, um, it's, it's, you know, Michigan struggled under Don Brown's defense to, to really contain them. And I think that... While I may be hopeful long-term for what Mike McDonald is trying to do on the defense, for your first road game, um, and, and again, still considering that I think things will be convalescing on the defensive side of the ball, this is a, a really stern test that I would love to be wrong about, but I, I have a feeling it's good. Michigan's going Michigan's gonna to lose. Yeah, a couple, couple more points specific to this game, at least in the preseason SP+. Plus. Um, this is Michigan's lowest win probability, even lower than the last game at home against Ohio State. So it's a, the, the challenge here you know, really can't be overstated. If they go in there and play the best manage to win this game, then that's, uh, you know, that changes the story. You know, and that, that's a really, really uh, a shift in, in the program's trajectory if, uh, if we are, in fact, wrong about this game and Michigan can win on the road. The other point uh, that I want to make sure we're clear about, Madison or um, Penn State starts the season. When we, we open up with Western Michigan, Penn State will be in Madison on September 4th. So we will know a lot about both this Wisconsin team and that Penn State team early, which is, uh, is a benefit, I think, obviously, for us as fans and kind of measuring where Michigan is, but also for the coaching staff. They will have seen... You know, it's going to be harder for Wisconsin and Penn State to to kind of keep a bunch of tri- tricks in the bag um, because they play each other in Week One. So that's that's a an advantage for Michigan, I would say, and it's exciting for us as fans. And uh, Wisconsin also is come in their third game, excuse me, their uh, fourth game is against Notre Dame. So Wisconsin will be a game against the Irish uh, coming into this one. So again. I think Michigan will have a, a very good idea of who Wisconsin is, what they're good at, what what their weaknesses are, and hopefully can put a game plan together that that puts uh puts the players in the best positions to succeed. And uh, you know, it, again, it's certainly possible, and I expect this one to be uh, a close game, but a couple plays either way making the difference. And, and it's hard to go against the Badgers at home until we've seen it. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, while I visualize or have a feeling that Michigan's going to lose to Washington and Wisconsin, the Wisconsin game for me is a much more important test. And, you know, people will say, well, it's a win or a loss, but listen, I hope I'm wrong, okay? I'm hoping that, that you know, it's much closer to your prediction or that we're both wrong, right, that Michigan somehow pulls it out. But this is the game where 
uh, okay. And, you know, we always talk about breaking down tape, right? When I'm breaking down tape of the first four games, I'll really be looking at how individual players perform because I'm not expecting to see a lot of the offense. I'm not expecting to see a lot of the, if there are any tricks on defense. They're going to have to pull everything out to beat Wisconsin, and they will be equal or overmatched at practically every position. So this is the kind of game where if you have a scheme that can uh, can give you an edge, if there's anything you can pull out of the out of the trunk, right? This is the game where Michigan needs to not only show what they have schematically, but what they have on a player versus a player v player basis, right? Like, listen, they're going to be going up against guys who are really really good. And, and sometimes, you know, you still have to perform. So, again, I think I'm going to end up watching this tape a lot more than any game uh, in the first half or, or two-thirds of the season. Um, just, just the way the talent is, the way the schemes is. We understand what Wisconsin is trying to do. They're, you know, again, the, there, are, there aren't a lot of secrets on the Wisconsin side. You know, they're going to be bigger, stronger. And, you know, they will have a few wrinkles, but all those wrinkles come from a very solid base. They know who they are. They know what they want to do, and they're good at it. So Here we are. Come stop it. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because kind of going back, um, you know, when we look back to the Bo Schembechler era of Michigan football, and, you know, I, I, I always like to point out if you watch the huge epic game where Michigan shocked Ohio State. Um, what's interesting is how much Bo threw the ball. Like, it's amazing. You know, you look at the score, and you're like, well, it must have been a, a you know, Bo Schemberger football, you know, jamming the ball down their throat. No, they threw all over the place. They had tons of incomplete passes. They had a couple, They had some long passes that were called back, right? As the program got stronger, it and the talent grew, you were able to run. You were able to just push people around, right? And I really look at Wisconsin, you know, if there's a, a throwback to the Michigan and Ohio State of the of the of the late of the nineteen seventies, early eighties, it's Wisconsin. And they listen, they've they've added a wrinkle, you know, they've had some talented quarterbacks, but they really, to me, they've just evolved that strong, we're going to push you around, here we come. You know, it's kind of like you visualize the offensive lineman coming up to the line and almost pointing, we're going there, what are you going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And and we know it, it doesn't happen, obviously, like that. But if there's any offense that is predictable and predictably good, it's it's a, it's Wisconsin. So it's mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, for me, it's going to be a very, very important test. Yeah, and and that again, if if we're both we've agreed all to this point, and if we're both right, then then Michigan's sitting three and two and has to travel to Nebraska for their sixth game. Now the good news is, um, I feel good about the next stretch of games, starting with Nebraska. I think that, um, you know, as much as I think Wisconsin's going to be a test. I think that Michigan may come out a little bloodied, but a lot tougher and have things figured out because 
let's be clear, it is on the road, but Wisconsin's not Nebraska. And I, and I and I feel better about that game. What are your thoughts heading into uh, Nebraska? This this is the one. I, I, what you were saying about the the meaning put into this Wisconsin matchup from the fifth game, I really circled with the red marker on the calendar the Nebraska game, right? Because I think uh, Michigan is likely to be you know three and two, maybe four and one. You know, maybe they can can you know handle their business against. Uh, Washington or steal one at Wisconsin, you know, but I think they're, they're going to have some question marks in their own, you know, psyche. Right. And, and this trip to Nebraska might have, you know, people already complaining about Harbaugh might have, you know, it's probably going to be billed about the, the, the coaching hot seats with uh, Scott Frost and his problems. Um, and, and Nebraska, it, it's really tough to tell who they are and what they're going to be. You know, they've been they've been bad in Scott Frost's you know tenure to this point. You know, he was granted a lot of leeway when he first came in, was changing a lot of things. But the their improvement hasn't been there year over year for Nebraska. But they are more talented. It's all Scott Frost uh, recruits uh, over there. And when you look at their early uh, schedule, they're only. Um, they're only picked to lose one game of their first six because uh, they play at Oklahoma. Um, you know, and they start actually tonight in in week zero. They play Illinois, so we'll know more by the time we actually get to this game, of course. But um, that team could be five and one, Nebraska. You know, just the way their schedule sets up um, with you know with Michigan, like you said, a little bit bloodied and maybe a little bit battle tested. So this is where I think it's going to be, you know, the the, the circle date and, and the trip to where Michigan's really going to have to prove what they're made of and kind of the gut check um, time for the leaders to step up and, and, and looking at, at guys like Ronnie Bell and Aiden Hutchinson and, um, you know, these new coaches now, you know, with five games under their belt, I, I think that they're really – going to rally in this game and, and not only beat Nebraska on the road, but I, I think that they're going to make a statement and, and really beat up on Nebraska to get to four and two. I think the score that I picked uh, in the article that I wrote was 42 to 23. Um, I, I just think that they are going to uh, play their best game right here and, and try to make this the pivotal moment for, for this football season and, and really make a statement against the Huskers. I feel uh, it. I feel very similarly. I look at this game and I see Michigan coming into this game. You know, three and two. Going to be a lot of static in the media and among the fan base. I think that to the outside, it will look like the program is teetering on the edge of collapse. And you know, when you look at Nebraska and, and Michigan, they're almost mirror images of. You know, you have. Uh, hometown hero coming back to lead the team. I think both fan bases are less than thrilled or completely satisfied at the results, right? And when you look at what Nebraska's schedule might be, it it's a uh, it's a paper tiger, right? Uh, it's it's not going it's not the same schedule that Michigan, the same battle testing that Michigan will face. I think that this will be a really tough game because Scott Frost is fighting for his career. 
right? He's with not only the lack of success on the field, but also some of the other things that are coming out about possible improprieties in the program. There's going to be a lot of of static on the Nebraska side, even if they come in undefeated. um, You know, their fan base is really going to be looking for uh, a result. So with that said, I'm expecting Michigan to win 31 to 23. I think this is going to be a huge gut check. And I think this is where um, Michigan starts to catch gear. And and I, I this is where I'm hoping I'm going to start feeling a lot better about the new coaching staff, where we are position-wise and depth chart-wise, and that you know Michigan kind of finds its groove and, and, and starts to really do well. Yeah, I... I... I really believe that there's there's going to be a lot of emotion and, and extra peripheral uh, storyline going into this one. And, and I, I, for one, believe that, that Michigan's leadership will react positively and, and be ready to go. Next up, Michigan returns to the big house to play Northwestern. And, you know, Northwestern is one of those teams that, that always plays tough. And, you know, this is one of those, I'm looking at the, the SP plus Michigan by 17. And I, I kind of shake my head at that. Um, but again, we, we will see. So what are your thoughts about, uh, about Wolverines coming home to face the Wildcats after Nebraska? Yeah. Northwestern is really, really hard to project, you know, because they are going to be totally different in 21 than they were in 20. And, also, because we know that they are they are very well coached, and because they recruit um, a, a certain style of player that that is starts with um, you know very smart you know um, leader uh, leaders you know team or players that were leaders on their high school teams, um, you know Pat Fitzgerald kind of recruits in his own image. And he, he's a very good coach and, and has a very good staff. So they are going to be much better by the middle of the season than they than they are at the start of the season. So Northwestern's really hard to project this far out away from the game. Always, um, they rank dead last in as in returning production. Like I mentioned before, where Michigan was right around fifty five. Northwestern is 129th in returning production going into this season. They lost, you know, not everybody, but uh, effectively everybody. In in a year where, um, you know, because of the COVID season, nobody had to leave. Nobody lost any eligibility last year. They could have theoretically brought everybody back. Um, so to be dead last in in returning production is is tough for Northwestern. But they they get through that right now. SP plus sees them really, really struggling on offense, which is understandable. They're going to try to make another grad transfer work um, and, and lead that offense, but where they're going to be their best and are already very highly ranked 12th on the defensive side is they're, they're going to be able to stop people. We saw them give um, Ohio state probably the most problems that they had all of last year in that big 10 title game. Um, even more so than than in the college football playoffs and, and, and even Alabama. Alabama just kind of outran Ohio State as opposed to stopping them the way that uh, Northwestern did. So uh, the, the main thing that I can see this game is, is 
if uh, if Michigan's defense has finally caught gear, like like you and I think that uh, it's going to be by this point in the season, this is probably going to be a very low scoring defensive Big Ten throwback. Um, you know, and and some of the stereotypical, uh, you know, battle of the punters in uh, in the the early fall here, and I think Michigan's going to be able to squeak it out twenty four to twenty, just because they are they're going to be more talented at some key positions, um, but they're going to have to make some big plays on defense in this game because it's it's going to be nip and tuck. It's going to be close. So I had a very similar score. I see Michigan winning 27 to 17. You know, part of me says that, you know, being at home at this point in the season, Michigan might extend a much bigger lead than that. That would be great to see. I just, I have a problem counting Northwestern out. Um, you know, as you said, they, they know who they are. They know the players they recruit. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it closer. I, I, again, I just, you know, and then, you start running into this point of the season where, uh, you know, uh, you have the potential to overlook Northwestern because the next game is Michigan State, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're into the season and you know that that loss to the Spartans um, pretty much derailed the season last year and that the team, I think, you know, they tell you not to think about that, right? You know, play one game at a time. But I think it's going to be really hard for um, the Wolverines to not look past Northwestern. And I don't say that it, that Northwestern is a trap game. I'm just saying that I, I wouldn't be surprised if it is not the uh, everything firing on all cylinders kind of game. And, you know, again, I, I see it 27-17. And then Michigan heads on the road to East Lansing. So how do you feel about that one, Clint? Well, it's it's impossible to talk about the the game against Michigan State without mentioning the the absolute disaster from last year. I, I agree with you that the the second game of the season last year against Michigan State, where Michigan could not could not come up with uh, just one or two big plays uh, um, to stop uh, Michigan State's you know, Chuck and Duck passing game last year really pulled all of the oxygen out of the program and led to uh, a lot of the problems that we saw afterward. I, I There's no doubt in my mind that the, it was a factor. I would I would argue that it was a huge factor, and some others might minimize it, but I, I think that there was a, a lot of ramifications from that game. And so in trying to assess what where Michigan's going to be going into this game. There's still going to be, we know Michigan's roster is going to be more talented than Michigan State's roster. We know that um, if we, instead of just taking last year, if we take the last two, three, or four of these rivalry games and kind of put them together as a larger sample size, then I think we'd probably get a better idea uh, of what to expect. I, I kind of expect this to look like the 2018 game where Michigan um, is the better team, but the game stays very close and, and one, one big play in either direction could, could really end up being uh, a backbreaker. And, and no matter what, we know that uh, the game's going to be physical 
Uh, I promise whoever is broadcasting this game will remind you that whoever rushed for more rushing yards in the past has won this game. That's that's oversimplified, but uh, I do like the fact that Michigan's uh, running backs are you know, a strength of the team as we're getting later into the season. And I expect Michigan to win by about 10 on the road. And and the last thing that I would say about this one is speaking of running backs, I, I would imagine that we're hearing the name Mike Hart um, hitting the media and, and uh, whether he says anything or if everybody else is, uh, you know, digging back into what he said when he was a, a, a 21 year old kid, you know, either way, Mike Hart is going to be a topic of conversation leading into this game. So speaking of last year's game, and I am i don't mean this to disparage Rocky Lombardi, uh, the Spartans quarterback who um, you know, engineered the, the shocking win last year, but I watched tape on him. And, and, and I think it's also, you know, okay, watch tape on him. That was the best game I've ever seen him play, right? And there were a lot of, what ifs and and you know just made plays but for me i mean and, and let's be clear he's not even with the program anymore here's a guy who engineered a huge victory and not only is is not a returning starter but left the program that was such a lightning strike such an outlier of performance that that's what concerns me about the western michigan game right you have a quarterback in Caleb Ellaby who is, you know, a legitimate pro prospect. There were thoughts last year of of him possibly being a Heisman candidate. So just that's that's the shadow that hangs over me on that Western Michigan game. Now, to this Michigan-Michigan State game, Clint, I, I think Michigan comes out and, and just wallops the Spartans, okay? I think that... Um, if there's any game that Michigan is pointing to this season, it's this one. And you can hear when you, you talk to the players last year, even, uh, you know, after the game, after everything else went wrong last year, there was, there would still be comments about how things got derailed at Michigan state, how, how it made the players feel and, you know, it was one of those games where primarily only their their um, their families were there, right? And uh, you know, there were players who talked about that that was almost worse, right? <laughs> that it's it's one thing if an opponent comes into your stadium and silences you when your own fans are there, but even even their families were shocked. So I think that this one is personal. I think that we're going to see Michigan come back, go on the road. And I'm going to call for a 38 to 17 win. Michigan dominating from from tape to tape, and I, I that's what I that's what I hope to see, and that's really what I expect to see. I think that um, I think Michigan needs to do that. I think that it's one thing to struggle against Ohio State and Wisconsin, but um, you need to secure your your home state, and, and I think Michigan is going to. I think they're going to take care of business. Yeah, a couple more quick points on uh, some other storylines around this game. You, you mentioned Rocky Lombardi and the lightning strike from last year. He, he makes a, a 
a, a return to the big house in week three. He's he where he transferred is Northern Illinois, so he'll be back, <laughs> um, and we'll see if he's the the starting quarterback. But I think as of right now, he's he's listed as the starter for Northern Illinois, so he'll be back in his uh in his favorite uh, venue, and hopefully it's a uh, obviously a different result this time. And the other main star of that game from last year for the Spartans was the receiver, um, Ricky White. And he's found himself in some problems in East Lansing and may or may not be with the program by the time this game comes around. So, like I said, it's, it's really hard to project as far out. You know, that caveat uh, is in place. Um, but we know that, that Michigan, I, I expect Michigan to win. Um, and if they play their best game, they will win. All right, so hopefully the Wolverines are starting to get on a roll. They head to back to the big house after Michigan State to play Indiana. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, Indiana is is really put themselves in a position that they're extremely balanced. They're ranked right now in the preseason 28th overall in SP+, 33rd on offense and 32nd on defense. What they do all things well, kind of a jack-of-all-trades and master of none, and they do have a, a returning quarterback, Michael Penix, that is is solid and has made big plays in big games uh, and led his team to victory. I, I, am, um, I, like, I like him. I like uh, the kid. But as a quarterback, I, I, I think that there are weaknesses in his game that, that can be exploited. Um if if you can put uh, you know your best game plan together, so I, I expect Michigan to win this game. Also, very very close game. I, I picked 20, 25 to seventeen against Indiana. Um, the way that I see the narrative kind of shaping up at this point, this is the first game in November, right? And uh, Indiana at this point will have already played Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. So if they get through those four games. With two losses, then they'll be in the same boat as Michigan, trying to take uh, trying to take the next step forward and still challenging for the Big Ten East. If they lose three or four of those, you know, tough games—Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Cincinnati—then Indiana's probably um, got a little bit of the wind out of their sails at this point, and, and Michigan should be able to to really take that next step. So, as the calendar turns to November, right again, you're going to lean more. On uh, on your leadership and, and especially on offense, on your running game, and I, I think that both of those are, are strong points for this particular Michigan squad, and, and they should be able to move to seven and two against the Hoosiers at home. So you mentioned Mike Hart's impact, kind of off the field versus Michigan State. I look at this Indiana game, and again, Mike Hart left Indiana. He was he was very well regarded down there. I think that this is going to be, uh, just as the name Mike Hart evokes uh, a visceral response from Michigan State fans, I could see a similar thing from Indiana and, most importantly, the players, right? This is a guy who was in the trenches with them, and and he left to, to come back to Michigan. Also, I think that when we're talking about, uh, you know, the lack of intimidation, Indiana doesn't sweat Michigan anymore, Okay. And it doesn't mean they're going to come and win, but I don't think that they're going to be intimidated. You know, you mentioned the games they've played; bef- they would have played before this game. 
And I think if I'm Indiana, I say, yeah, but you're not Ohio State, right? I mean, it's so um, I do think Michigan's going to win. I think it's going to be a really close one at the big house. I see it 35-31. And, uh, again, Michigan um, 7-2, getting ready to go on the road at Penn State. So what are your thoughts on this one? You know, I consistently – I've identified in my own bias here to where I, I instantly take whatever I see in the metrics nationally about Penn state and, and knock it down some number of slots. I, I just, I, I feel that they are perpetually overrated, um, you know, and, and maybe part of this is kind of like the, uh, the two Spider-Men pointing at each other meme uh, from the internet that, that is, is pretty popular, you know, that, Penn State and Michigan are, are maybe both given a little bit too much credit sometimes, and and, and especially in the preseason. But I, I just don't think that Penn State is as good as their preseason rankings. Right now, SP Plus has them 10th overall, 7th defense, which they have been traditionally pretty strong on defense, but really struggled last year um, with their best player, Micah Parsons, opting out. And the 22nd offense, which I don't understand, because they've had so much trouble uh, the last couple seasons and, and are on their third coordinator in three seasons. So I, I don't see the consistency on offense for Penn State to be uh, a real powerhouse in the East, certainly not on the level with Ohio State. I think, um, again, by this point uh, in the second week of November, we will know obviously a lot more about uh, Penn State. They're scheduled to this point. Like I said, they start in Madison. You know, so if they start the season with a win on the road, then then I'll have some uh, some egg on my face uh, from from this particular segment. But they also have Auburn early in the season. You know, who, who's going through a little bit of a rebuild, but still going to be loaded with SEC talent. Um, they will have played Indiana at this home at this point, and then would have been at the on the road against Iowa and Ohio State by this point. So those five very challenging games. Again, if Penn State has gotten through there with only one loss or two losses, then it's going to be a, a legit whiteout night game atmosphere in Happy Valley, and that's a monster for Michigan. I don't think that they'll go three and two in those five games. I think Penn State will have lost at least three and maybe four games by this point in the season, and um, it's not going to be uh, – quite the the Mount Everest to climb that it looks like maybe to some folks right now. So I, I've got Michigan basically playing a game that looks similar to uh, 2019 with a chance to win in the fourth quarter and finally being able to put it together and get it done, make the plays that matter, and uh, maybe maybe even a redemption game for, for Ronnie Bell. I, I, I'm going to say Michigan 20, Penn State 16 on the road. I love what you said about the the Spider-Man memes in Penn State. I kind of visualize it like Penn State saying, you're overrated, and Michigan saying, no, you're overrated, and, and everybody saying, no, you're both overrated. Um, what's interesting about this is I don't think Michigan is intimidated by going up to Happy Valley. And, you know, you talked about Ronnie Bell. That was a game that really hinged on some early calls that went against Michigan and if they were intimidated, I think they get blown out. But they battled back, and you know, you know, 
listen, if you're on the road and, and you have a chance to um, to force overtime uh, in the last closing seconds of the game, you you didn't you didn't get blown out, right? And I think this is a game that kind of sticks in the collective craw of Michigan. Um, of you know, yeah, last time we got tripped up, and I think they're going to take care of business now because of questions on Penn State's defense and frankly I think questions I still think I'm going to have questions on Michigan's defense I see this as being a little more high scoring uh, than you but I do see Michigan winning 38 to 31 and uh, you know again coming out eight and two and uh, you know feeling good about about the record if not how the record has happened so um, Michigan uh, we both see Michigan beating Penn State Um then they go on the road to Maryland, and uh, you know I, I'm going to start off here. I, I think Michigan rolls 45 to seven, and you know I, I, this is not a trap game. Of course, the following week is Ohio State, but I, I, I just don't. You know, I, I guess my thought is if Michigan struggles with Maryland, then you know this season's going to be a lot worse than we than we think. Yep, I, I agree with that. There, this is a really a roller coaster team, right? They've they have really peaks where they play really well, um, the Terrapins, but, but man, they have some, some pretty low valleys where they just don't play well at all. So uh, un- unless they, they fix that and, and can be more consistent and, and move to a high level, I agree. I, I see Michigan winning uh, pretty big. I had 39-14, similar to what we saw pre-COVID. Uh, and, and I think the joke that I made in the article is that I thought I thought it was a tradition that this – 11th game spot was reserved for Indiana, but uh, apparently that's uh, that's not written in the Big Ten bylaws. So um, this 11th week uh, game, you know, still still could be some challenge, but um, by this point, I think uh, Michigan will have all of their heads uh, screwed on the right way and um, should be able to take care of business and and execute at a high level and and, and really really put another. Put another really good game together in uh, in College Park, and that leaves the season-ending game or the final se- final game of the regular season versus Ohio State at the Big House Senior Day. Um, Going to be a lot of appetite for this game after uh, COVID wiped it out last year. So, Clint. How do you feel about the state of the rivalry as Michigan heads into this game? You know, it's in a lot of ways, some pretty clear and simple and some a little bit more complex. This is the the rivalry in the current state is, is, is the whole thing. It's the whole ball of wax and, and it's bigger than Harbaugh, right? It's bigger than, it's bigger than any one coach, any, any particular team, right? This is, is, is something that is, really deeply rooted in, in history, right? But the current state of affairs goes all the way back to when, you know, to the early 2000s and, and Jim Tressel taking over and, and beating Michigan in Ann Arbor in his first shot at it, winning a national title in his second year, and then really taking Ohio State back to national prominence after Michigan winning a national title in 97 Trestle answers in 02 right and then consistently stays at a high level and the story since then has been when they've hit 
problems in Columbus, they've gotten better, right? Trestle uh, uh, leaves the program, you know, with the uh, the FBI investigation and, and not being fully honest with, you know, some some of the authorities, and they have a one year drop off and bring in Urban Meyer and go on a, another historic run and get better, and he brings a more, uh, you know. He brings his SEC experience from Florida and recruits at an even higher level and performs at an even higher level, goes undefeated multiple times, wins a Big Ten title when they, when they weren't undefeated. And uh, he has a problem, has to leave the program, question marks, and you start to think, okay, this is when they're going to go into their into their swoon. And, uh, and Ryan Day steps in from the offensive coordinator position to head coach and, and maintains that high level and, and, and they're right back into the college football playoff and the national title game again. So um, waiting for Ohio state to fall to Michigan's level in order to make it competitive again, isn't going to happen. Right. And, and um, even outwardly, I, I, I would have never said that I was waiting for that to happen or hoping for that to happen. But I think inwardly, I, I'm acknowledging now that I was. I, I was I was rooting more for Ohio State to fall back to our level than 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 really pushing our own program up to that level. So, um, you know, with that acknowledged, Michigan needs to be able to take the step forward and beat Ohio State. And I like that in the off season we've heard that it's been more of a focus. And it's true that if if you build this program and it's good enough to beat Ohio State, then then you're good enough to accomplish all of the rest of the goals that you could put on your team goal list. You're going to be good enough to be in the playoff. You're good enough to beat any of the other national powerhouses and you're good enough to win, you know, a national title and obviously a conference title. So um, that's, it should be the, the thing, the singular thing that drives, you know, what, what they're doing. And I'm glad to hear that that's a big part of the, uh, the current culture. So with, with all of that said, I, I do expect Michigan to play better in this game. It's very similar to what I said about uh, the early season Wisconsin game, um, that even though Michigan, I, I believe, will be playing their best by this point, I, I just can't can't really predict uh, them to take that step in, in, this, uh, in this particular season and, and beat Ohio State. I've got them losing by 10, 31-21. Um, but Ohio State's got some questions that they, they need to answer, right? They've got a new quarterback in place. Um, Justin Fields was, was an amazing quarterback, a, a great two-year starter, and is now off to the NFL, and they're turning it over to C.J. Stroud, a redshirt freshman. So they're going to have some growing pains there. Um, and, and on defense, they're, they're only average. You know, they're, they're mediocre. So if Michigan on offense can put together – the right game plan and, and and go shot for shot and blow for blow with Ohio State, um, then I, I think that that's why uh, Josh Gaddis is in Ann Arbor is to be able to uh, to stay competitive in a track meet with Ohio State and and this may be the season to do it because I still don't see a very dominant defense uh, in Columbus, but as it stands right now with. Uh, the Big Ten's two best receivers, both um, on their team. You know, I just I, I think that there's too much firepower for Michigan to um, to climb that hill this year. But they they do get back to being respectable and, and competitive in the game, 
and and I will be listening, obviously at this point in the season, to make sure that that that's not uh, satisfactory for anybody. So it's it's what I expect, you know, but it's certainly not going to make it feel any better to to lose closer um, as I'm predicting. I hate to say this because this isn't what I this isn't how I wish it was, right? But as far as the state of the rivalry rivalry goes. The hammer and nails aren't the hammer and nail aren't rivals, okay? And I'm so tired of seeing Michigan just get thrashed by Ohio State. Um, I'm puzzled at the well now Ohio State's important, and and that's kind of how I take that's my impression of of the new or I guess uh, not the new emphasis, but at least the public emphasis on beating Ohio State. Um, you know, I, I want to believe that Michigan can beat Ohio State. I want to believe that it will happen this season, but I got to see it, right? Um, and I think that the same way that Michigan has it out for Penn State and Michigan State, and specifically Michigan State after last season, I think that Ohio State is personally miffed that Michigan didn't come down and, and play the game. And we know it was because of COVID, but there were lots of uh, static in the media about um, administrators and coaches and players at Ohio State um, uh, making snide remarks about Michigan not wanting to play that game. I know that I definitely heard it from uh, you know the people I know who are Ohio State fans. Um you know the joke I heard from uh, from one of my Buckeye friends was that uh, you know Michigan was almost hoping to catch COVID the team so that they didn't have to come down and we know that's not true but there, there's definitely a um, again the, the the term I'd use is butthurt on not having that game right mm-hmm. the players who the Ohio State players who did leave the program for whatever reason that's again Harbaugh and the program can talk about how important it is to beat Michigan but Ohio State has been on that bandwagon for decades and it is a really big deal and to not be able to end your season that was probably more disappointing than anything that happened to Ohio State last year not being able to to uh to do their annual thumping of Michigan uh you know, at Ohio Stadium. So I think Ohio State's going to come in um, gunning for bear or gunning for Wolverine, as the case may be, as they always do. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say hoping. I have a bad feeling that this is going to be a 48 to 34 win by Ohio State. I think they're going to come in and just uh, try to make up for last year. And again, they always like to beat Michigan. I hope I'm wrong. I would love for for Michigan to win and for you and and everyone else to be able to laugh at my prediction. I just I got this bad feeling that Michigan's going to end up nine and three, but two of the three losses are going to be really real good thumping. And and again. Um, ending the regular season slate with a, with a real bitter taste from Ohio state. I hope I'm wrong. I want to be wrong, but 
I you know I, I look at I look at the tea leaves and I look at the the metadata around it and I'm just I'm 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 hoping Michigan can keep it close. I'm hoping they can they can stay competitive. But um, I think back to Harbaugh's first season where um, really Michigan Ohio State came into um, Michigan Stadium with with not a lot to play for. Right, Michigan still theoretically could have won the Big Ten if all the gears lined up, and Ohio State just thumped them. Right, and with everything that uh, Ohio State wants to do with the uh, the chatter in the media last year, um, these teams don't like each other. I like that. Um, Ohio State is a better program right now, and I think that they're going to come in and and uh, and and look to show it very uh, demonstrably. I I can't argue with anything directly that that you said, you know. But you know, as always, let me let me make sure. Even though I, I, you know, it was only a couple seasons ago that I was still predicting Michigan to win these games. So I I, I have at least you know taken my uh, my my slice of the humble pie. But there's still a lot of uh, of context that matters when it, when it comes to what the gap is between Ohio state and Michigan and how wide that particular gap is, you know, 2016 in the, in the horseshoe was uh, literally a toss up in an overtime game with, uh, with a, a quarterback that was hurt. And uh, you know, if that game is played in Ann Arbor, uh, it's highly likely that, that the referee calls, you know, changes that spot on, on JT Barrett's, play right so let, let's just call it a toss-up and a, and a loss in, in in the record book of course but in terms of gap of the program you got to say that they went toe-to-toe in that moment with the Buckeyes on the road um 2017 um until last year was Harbaugh's worst team you know by any particular metric um for the overall program and they they were leading for uh, a majority of that game you know, into the third quarter and a couple key plays that uh, Michigan did not make in that game swung the tide and, um, and Ohio state capitalized. And eventually that the scoreboard certainly did not show um, how close that game was um, because of a couple late scores. And, and even at the very end, you know, Michigan had the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to score to tie and and through an interception on first down. So um, 2018, Michigan was favored to go into the horseshoe and win. Um, and that is really that game where Ryan Day completely out-schemed uh, Michigan's defensive staff and Don Brown by isolating their fastest receivers against Michigan's slowest cover corner on those crossing routes, and then also getting their running backs on linebackers um, in 2018, following kind of the Indiana blueprint, um, really changed the trajectory of the program from that point to now, um, because that's the narrative now, is that Ohio State is all of a sudden five steps ahead of Michigan, and I don't necessarily believe that's the case. I do believe that they are two steps in front of Michigan. Right. But but I don't think that the gap is so wide that Michigan can't close it at any given moment with with uh, a, a particularly great performance and, and, and 
and even if it goes together with a, a poor performance by the Buckeyes. So um, I, I I just wanted to re- remind everyone. And then 2019, the game also, that Gaddis was brought in to, again, try to, if this is going to be a track meet and, and football is different now and all the rules favor the offense, we need to be able to win a track meet. Um, in, in 2019, they were going toe-to-toe with Ohio State all the way until late in the second quarter. And Michigan, again, shoots themselves in the foot and, and drops a shotgun snap and turns the ball over on their way into the end zone. So uh, that turns the tide. Ohio State capitalizes. So the gap between the programs is not as wide as it feels, but we would be we would be crazy to not not uh, acknowledge that they are they are a couple steps in front. But the the gap is not um, it's not something that can't be closed. Um, it's and that's the challenge directly at the uh, the head coach at Jim Harbaugh and, and his staff and the whole program. And, and I think it's a, it's a good sign that they are clearly. Um, stating that because if you close that gap again, you're going to be right in line to to accomplish anything else that that could be on your list of goals. Well, again, I you know I want to be wrong, okay? Um, it's it's frustrating, and I I hope this is the year. And um, now it, it's interesting because, like, out of all the three losses I picked, I would love the most for this one for me to be wrong. I'd love for, you know, Michigan to, to jump up and bite Ohio state. Um, I would love for, uh, you know, but again, when I look at where we're at last with what happened last season and with the changes in the coaching staff, nine and three makes me feel hopeful. It, 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 the mission's not done. Right, you have to be able to beat Wisconsin. You have to be able to beat Ohio State. I think the game that that worries me the most that I'm wrong about is the Michigan State game. Okay, if Michigan State somehow beats Michigan, not only is Michigan falling lower in the in the Big Ten, but you know they're falling lower in the state, and that's why for me that's the real key game that I think Michigan needs to step up put Michigan state in its place and then, Hey, if they can catch lightning in a bottle and, and, uh, and, and shock the Buckeyes, that would be amazing. But, uh, I need to see Michigan put Michigan state in their place. I need that. Um, and, and I think that, um, from a recruiting standpoint, from a national standpoint, it's one thing to get beat by the Buckeyes as a nut that, that, that game from last year versus the Spartans is still smarts. And, you know, that's why it's a rivalry, right? But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, anything can happen. Well, anything hasn't happened for Michigan versus Ohio State. And and I think that's, you know, we can talk about the size of the gap, but um, the thing that I come back to is it's always something, right? There's, there's something about that. There's always something, right? Mm-hmm. And... You know, yeah, it's not a coincidence. It's not happening by accident. That's yeah, sure. it, that's my point. Is it's like, you know, what they say about luck. It's where opportunity and preparation meet. Man, the Buckeyes mm-hmm. have lots of luck. Okay, mm-hmm. and yeah, the refs played part of it. You know, when JT was short, um, and 
you know, you and you and I, you know that I have problems with some of the play calls and some of the clock management in that fourth quarter. But mm-hmm. again, it's always something, right? Mm-hmm. It's always something, and and I think that's the thing that um, you know that becomes a, a shadow, right? Where you all where you almost expect something to happen, even when things are going well. And I think that's the that's the thing that I do um, agree with that Jim Harbaugh has done in refocusing the um, the target on Ohio State is hey listen you know they're just they're just players we need to make sure we need to get this done right mm-hmm. and hopefully that the, the change in culture the adjustment in culture that Ohio State's not just another a game you know they're they're the target. You know, Clint, it's interesting because um, in in the Lloyd Carr era, Michigan would put their team goals up on the on the wall, and goal one was win the Big Ten, right? And people would criticize that or have issue with that. And I used to say, very similar to what you said a little bit ago, hey, listen, if you win the Big Ten, that's the first step toward winning a national championship, being a national power. And the thing that we're seeing with this newly realigned Big Ten in the divisions is that that's absolutely the case. If you win the Big Ten, you are well on the way to your other goals. And, um, you know, hopefully we can see Michigan win the Big Ten soon. It's, it's been a really long time. Yeah, I, I have a couple a couple more points just on the whole season overall and, and kind of the narrative. Like you said, I think nine and three. Certainly would exceed a lot of expectations. Uh, I think right now, um, you know, the Vegas line for Michigan's regular season wins is seven and a half. So to over uh, to exceed that is a positive. You know, of which you know how much of a positive could be debated, but would rather be on the high end of that than the low end of that. Of course, um, I, I I do agree with the three losses that we're looking at. Um, if Washington was at the end of the schedule. At home, I, I certainly that would change uh, how I would look at it, and I think uh, you know probably the same for you. Michigan is going to be a much different team at the end of the season because of the you know the new staff and all of the turnover. And once they get their feet under them, they're going to be a whole different uh, animal as opposed to week two against Washington. So if that game's later in the season, it, it likely changes some things. Uh, the early the early game at Wisconsin probably doesn't change as much if it's later in the season because it's on the road, um, you know. But those those losses are, are are all, in my opinion, games that that Michigan should be in this season and should have a chance to win. And, and even though I'm predicting them to fall short, you know, it, I, I don't I don't expect to see them fall flat on their face as we've seen more than a handful of times in the last few seasons. So if, if that's what I'm seeing at the end of the year, um, then then I'll be at least satisfied, not necessarily um, not, not necessarily feeling like the job is done at nine and three, of course, but the, they have to avoid the, the, the catastrophic failure. And there are a couple spots in the season that, that could that pose a risk of, of catastrophic failure, including, in East Lansing. Um, the other thing is a couple, you know, I like to track some of the other past season that, that have similar storylines or narratives, at least, uh, you know, from the outside. So I'll give you a heads up on some of these. 
I think uh, one natural uh, kind of comparison is back to the 2019 team. So if, if, as I believe, and I think a lot of folks believe that 2020 was, was an aberration with the COVID season and the big 10 kind of jumbling the canceled season and restart and opt outs and all that craziness. If, if we, certainly crashed in 2020 and we're going to say that we'll be right back to the level at least that we were in in 2019 i think that's a reasonable expectation um so i'll be kind of tracking to see how michigan is doing uh in comparison to that 2019 team and i do see a lot of parallels uh statistically and um and also in the schedule with that 2019 team so uh we'll kind of update that through the season Another comparison to a past Michigan team is 2011, um, which uh, was Brady Hoke's first year as head coach, of course. But it's more, for me, the similarity is more about the, the historic collapse of the defense of 2010 and then the bounce back to a, a really strong defense in 2011 with largely similar personnel. And what changed was Greg Madison coming from the Ravens and bringing a different uh, scheme and a different outlook and, and, and kind of matching um, what what they were doing in Baltimore at the time to, to the Big Ten schedule. So I think that there are some parallels with 2011 that are worth keeping an eye on and uh, some interesting schedule notes also. We also started against Western Michigan in week one that year and played Notre Dame in week two. So um, there's, there's some parallels there that I'll keep an eye on. And then the last one I would say that is similar to keep an eye on as a baseline season is 2017 Notre Dame season in 2016, Notre Dame went four and eight on a full season and, uh, you know, catastrophic failure for Brian Kelly in South Bend. And his response was, was a major shakeup of his staff, especially on the defensive side. And, uh, and that season they, they bounced back in 2017, went 10 and three, and uh, beat LSU uh, in, in their bowl game at the end of the season. So, again, there's some some parallels in the the calendar there. They started out against Temple, uh, who was the 71st SP plus ranked team, similar to Western for us this year, and then played Georgia in week two and lost a close one uh, in in South Bend in 2017. So. Uh, some other things to kind of keep an eye on to, to be able to kind of put this in a historical context and, and compare what we're seeing from, from this Michigan team. But uh, regardless, you know, as, as I'm sure you can tell, I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. And, and, and I have, I have a lot of reasons uh, for myself to be enthusiastic and, and um, I'm just glad that we are, we're closer to a, a normal football season than we were. And, and, I can't wait. I'm counting down the uh, the hours and minutes now that we're we're seven days away. I'm excited as well, and we'll have a lot more to talk about after Michigan's first game. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.